Hello, I'm Stuart Chittenden, and this is Lives, a show about conversation, community, and the people that bring community to life. My guest today is Dewan Lamont Hayes of Noise. Dewan Lamont Hayes is an artist and journalist who explores the power and impact of communication. After graduating from Creighton University, Dewan worked in arts advocacy and community outreach. Awakening to the information disparity within his community, Dewan resigned from his position to pursue journalism full-time, founding NOISE, an acronym that stands for North Omaha Information Support Everyone, a collaboration with Nebraska's oldest black-owned newspaper, The Omaha Star, and this show's host radio station, Mind and Soul 101.3 FM. As Noise approaches its first birthday, Dewan is working to grow the news team and coverage to galvanize information creation and sharing across North Omaha. Welcome to the show, Dewan. Thanks for having me. So before we talk in more detail about media generally and noise in particular, you awaken to information disparity in your community. And I want to take that in two parts. So the first part is to ask you to describe community. So describe your community. Certainly. I was born and raised on 42nd and Wirt Street in the center of what is known as North Omaha. My family grew up on 24th and Manderson. So there's a, a route in the northeast region of Omaha that for a long time through historical forces and social upheaval, I guess, has had its own reputation. But growing up and leaving and coming back, you see that it's this beautiful place. After I graduated from Creighton, I came back to my home and saw that not much had changed. That was because there wasn't communication. There wasn't a reliable source that people trusted to get the news, that they, the information that they needed. Not even news, just like details about what the world around them in a reliable way. You've talked a little bit about leaving mm -hmm. and coming back to see the landscape of Northeast Omaha not having changed as much as maybe you expected. I, I don't know. So maybe describe that picture of it as a, as a child and, and maybe the small ways it has changed and the ways it hasn't. You know, I, I had a, I would say a normal childhood, um, played with the neighbor kids. It was very, I think, very family-oriented street. I went to Martin Luther King Elementary, but then I was transferred to Western Hills, and which is in like Dundee. And that move expanded my whole worldview of like what my city looked like. You know, I was meeting different children and experiencing these activities that people that the kids in my neighborhood would never get to see. I was able to go to a university and be like, and be told you could go here. Whereas other kids that I would play with back home didn't have that same opportunity. And then I went to middle school at Beverage way out west in Omaha, but it's an art school and you know, they're encouraging of creativity. And in 2008, um, during the recession, our house was foreclosed on and we had to move. So I moved to Bellevue and um, continued my education. But, you know, I left my childhood home behind after 13 years and um, went to Beverage and went to Central High and then went to Creighton and, you know, had all these opportunities. And then 
I traveled af- right after school for a few months, and then I come back to my hometown and see that like the neighborhood that I grew up in looks exactly the same. The streets that I that my family grew up on looked exactly the same as I remembered as a child. That just kind of baffled me because I had, I got to like leave the world and develop this like much broader view and see how whole cities and states are changing and shifting. And then you come back and it seems like there's this time capsule that's unmoved. And that led me to ask why. So I had an opportunity to get my first job out of school at the Union for Contemporary Art as their first communications manager. And as a visual performing artist myself with background communication, it just was a natural fit. I got to be right back home um, advocating for something I love um, because I understand the power that it had on my life and hoping that it would be able to have the same on others. But then the challenge I saw was, you know, we have this great facility with all these amazing programs, all these phenomenal opportunities, but no one knows or has a, a source of information that they could connect to that they trusted to then come participate and engage. I had to physically be present and convince people each time, like, hey, this is a place and this is why. And so when the opportunity came to really explore how people get their information and then to do something about it, um, that's when noise started. So that's the second part of this formula Mm -hmm. that that in your bio I mentioned that you were awakening to this information disparity within Mm -hmm. within this community. And I think we can maybe stretch the word community really broadly in in many interpretations. But tell us a little bit about what you mean by information disparity. I can start with that the challenge I faced as a communications manager was, you know, we were posting things on social media, perhaps we're making posters and sharing it that way. But our immediate neighbors, really the people that live right around 24th and Lake Street, you know, folks in my old neighborhood, they were not coming. They were not, they did not feel like they had a connection to the space that we're in. When I would go out to, um, you know, Omaha 360 or just show up at community events and talk to folks and tell them what we did, they, they, they trusted it that much more. But that showed that our communication network as far as like multiple forms of communication weren't there. And then uh, the summer of 2017, two journalists from an organization called the Listening Post Collective came to Omaha to conduct what they call an information ecosystem assessment. It's a fancy word for, a fancy phrase for where do you get your news? How do you get the word around? They interviewed me and 14 other um, folks in the community who work in engagement, communications, organization, et cetera, and then compiled a report that analyzed you know, and evaluated the points of contact and um, what are the assets, what are some of the shortfalls, what's kind of the historical context of what, how we got here. And that really consolidated and put in front of us directly the challenges, but also the major assets that we had that report just reaffirmed the experience I was having working um, for an organization and a mission that I really wholeheartedly believed in, but was having a, a tough time connecting specifically with black community that was directly around me. And so with that report and my experience and the the team, the Listening Post team that came, there was an opportunity 
a funding from the White's Family Foundation, who advocate for all kinds of um, civic engagement in town, to do something about it, take this information and figure it out. <laughs> how might the community you're referencing be different in terms of how it procures and shares information and knowledge and stories? How, how might that community be different from other communities, whether in Omaha or other cities? It's something that we explored was word of mouth was something that people trusted most. Because if you're, if you're hearing it from your friends or your family, I trust that. There was a sense of kind of, of disenchantment with local media because the coverage was often seemed just like, it's just violence here. We're just this violent, you know, poor black community that can't do anything, which just isn't true. And actually extremely resilient and, and, and community-centered and, and want to progress, but often don't know how. And so to be able to, um, to change that, it had to come from, it has to come from the people. It has to be rooted in where people come from and faces that are familiar. Like folks ask, like, who's your grandma? And I tell them, they're like, okay, cool, we're good. <laughs> and because it, it's family oriented, you know, so there's, um, there's a certain level of trust that really needs to be built and maintained in order for, for news and information sharing to be, to truly be improved, um, and strengthened. And so, um, I think that's how is different where you have ma you have kind of like the mass media out that isn't rooted in the community at all talking about us rather than talking with us and folks inside be folks inside the community being like, well, that's, I don't really trust that. I'd much rather just go based off of what I hear, which word of mouth is good, but isn't always the most reliable or consistent. And so what we're trying to do with noise is really strike that balance of taking the polish of journalism and media while also being rooted in just, hey, we know what's going on because we've been here. So that, I think that's fascinating to combine these two concepts of local trust and mass media and, and those things in tension mm -hmm. as well. And so now is the time for a Thomas Jefferson quote. So he said, were it left to me to decide whether we should have a government without newspapers or newspapers without a government, I should not hesitate a moment to prefer the latter. So I find it really interesting that since the First Amendment, it's been clear that this country is founded on the idea that a free press is an integral part of a free, civil, and civically engaged society. Certainly. So how within that framework do you position noise? When you talk to folks, you know, when I ask people like, you know, where do you get your news? It's usually it's usually started with a heavy sigh, <laughs> because especially right now, folks are when you turn on the TV, it's usually national or something something that you can't change. It's this kind of like, okay, of course he tweeted again, or of course the environment's falling apart, of course you know things aren't working. So it really causes people just to tune out and put their heads down and just think about survival. But with noise, I want to help people see the world where they are. You can't really change what's happening out there until you see where you are right now and how it's affecting you where you are in your own backyard. And when you are able to take that 
a telescope, make it a microscope and really focus, you can see that you have a light, much more influence than you think you do. All you need is a platform to tell your story and to be loud about it and make noise and make people aware. So when I think about, you know, that, that broad landscape, I'm just like, hey, people need to know what's happening right here, right now and what they can do about it. That's a big part is what can I do? Great. You told me this thing. What's next? You know, the media news, I think, has the um, has the obligation not only to inform, but to mobilize or at least encourage people to let them know that they have an opportunity to affect change. And so when I'm thinking about a more civic society, you know, a place that is community driven, that's rooted in people and, and, and nature and things like that, I'm thinking about how you can take a, a relationship, just like a personal relationship, provide information to that and then watch it expand. And then it makes those bonds stronger. And then we can utilize those bonds to change anything we want to. If we don't like the conditions of where we are, we can work together, use this new information and make something different about it because we know it now and we've also been notified that we actually have way more influence than we thought we did before. Um, and so when I think about that Thomas Jefferson quote, it's funny um, because I, I, I kind of agree <laughs> in a lot of ways. Is like, you know, uh, we have people making decisions about and for us that have no idea what our lives are like. They have no idea how their decisions are impacting us. We do. So what are we going to do about it? There was a recent study by Professor Johanna Dunaway at Texas A&M, and the headline in the report for this study says, Local Newspaper Closures Polarize Voters Choke Political Progress. And it went on to say, closing local newspapers results in uh, residents that are less informed, less engaged in their communities, and less influential with their legislators in cities where polarized national news sources are replacing shuttered local newspapers. In many ways, I'm hearing from you that noise is the antidote to that. So where I've just said less, mitigating, reduction, you're actually amplifying, filling, and taking this space for this community. Is this part of the aspiration for noise, to be that um, loud voice? I think so. When I was in journalism school and I would tell people, oh, yeah, I'm studying journalism, they're like, oh, 
well, that's dying, right? Like, you know, there's just this, it's all going away. All the papers are going away. All the news stations are being bought up by national companies. Like, basically, it's going obsolete. And I was like, no, it's evolving. And that's where we are right now, is in this, like, mid-evolution, um, in these very early stages of figuring out, um, how do we do this? Because you, what, what you just said is, uh, with that, citing that study, is it, it's very true. There's a great... Um, hidden brain podcast talking about when local newspapers die who picks up the tab oftentimes you know corruption goes unchecked policies get made and and no one knows and then suddenly you're affected by these laws that you don't even know that they began in the first place so with when i think about noise it's like hey you know we're showing up these public meetings and covering them and trying to digest it so you are aware of something that's impacting you right now, inviting you to come be a part of this conversation. You know, we have a city council and a commission and the county commission that's just downtown, but they meet at two o'clock and nine o'clock on Tuesdays. What are most people doing at those times at work? So they don't have, usually have the time or the wherewithal to be there and be present and speak up for themselves. So if we can be there, at least document that, relay that information and then say, hey, you should be here. Then that's where you get the civic participation. In that Hidden Brain podcast, there's a quote from a le- from a legislator in Denver who, when the Rocky Mountain News closed, was like, oh, so I guess now we can, you know, I guess we can get, be a little more corrupt and like, ha, ha, ha. But no, that's like a real thing. If we want, if we truly want to see um, a real I think a real paradigm shift in how our lives are led today and then the the world today. We're going to need the information and the tools to do that. So we're going to need people to get that information and get it out to the masses and let them know that that they that this is important. And the goal is once you get the information, okay, I have it. Now what do I do with it? There needs to be a culture of 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 discussion, of deliberation that that information becomes embedded in what we do. It's not just another thing that we scroll on our phones or that we get in our inbox. It literally has a, a direct impact and it influences how our relationships. And so um, something that we also do is power hour on Saturdays, um, every Saturday from two to four at the study on 24th and Burdett, where we invite folks to just come, let's talk. You know, what's on your mind? What's something you read this week? What's something that's bothering you? What's an experience that you've had that you want to know more about that you wish to change or or let people know more about? Because if there isn't a community or, you know, people, a network that is utilizing information and then making actions out of it, then, you know, our Facebook post is, is useless. <laughs> you know, that's a really interesting conceptual framework it feels a little bit like a hybrid. And a lot of newspapers, especially in an era when we're struggling with artificial and misdirecting labels like fake news, newspapers, especially the legacy papers of standing like New York Times and others, struggle with this idea of and, and have adapted to delineating what is an opinion piece compared to what is a, a news piece. And I think they do that to avoid and make clear that they're drawing a distinction between what is just an objective statement of facts and then what is an interpretation of those facts. And it sounds as if noise has gone even further than that. You're bridging the the divide, as it were, between what is just a statement of this is what happened and these are the facts, connecting that to how people might feel about that, 
and then moving a step further to this ecosystem of dialogue and action that comes out of that. Is this an intentional structuring of a new model? Yes, I mean, I think so, because, I mean, just for myself, when I think about what the news I get, if I receive it, do I just sit with it? And then that's it. And just go about my life. And I'm like, man, okay, I read a story. No, I want to talk about it. I want to, you know, get feedback. I want to have a discussion that um, helps me understand what, how this affects me now. And um, I don't think I'm alone in that. So far through our power hours, we've had some really amazing discussions that then have evolved into plans. And have evolved into informed um you, you know, action steps that people in their own daily lives can take. And we want to just create the space for that, you know. And if we're writing and doing coverage about something and people don't find it important or don't think we're doing it correctly, we can get direct feedback on that. That's the point. We're just people trying to collect this information and represent it to you. And if you don't think that that information is relevant or um, you think it could be better, let us know how. I think the future of news and information is is collaborative. For too long, it's been this very like, we're presenting the news to you, and we're the authority on the information, and you are to receive it and go about your life. People don't want that anymore, especially in, in the, the capabilities that we have with technology today. People want a two-way communication. People want to feel a part of what's happening, because they are. And so if we can you know, engage folks in what we're doing, it makes what we do more valuable, I think. And then it shows that we have support. Instead of just like counting the number of subscribers on a digital dial, you're seeing the people who show up. This is the 21st century, and it's exciting to hear about this collaborative information structure that you've, you've developed. But I'm not entirely sure that I'm familiar with the platforms and, and the channels that you're using. And so I wonder if you wouldn't mind explaining what is the structure in terms of the people and the platforms and channels that Noise is using to create this uh, culture of discussion and, and, and dissemination of information? We are we work with this Omaha Star, so that's a way that we can monthly print um, our stories. People say print is dead. I don't think print is dead. I th like I said, I think it's evolving, and since there's less print now, it's actually a novelty. What we do is uh, we incorporate art and our stories into these monthly prints and then disseminate them, hand deliver them, live, leave them in public spaces. We change the spaces each month. And as we move forward, we'll start to really solidify that. But the goal is just like, hey, you can put imagery and storytelling in people's hands and that's something they can hold and keep and maintain. Then we work with the radio station doing the noise report. So that runs at the top of the hour on 101.3 FM. And um, that allows us to also care, talk about weekly stuff. And then our daily happens in the social media space. Uh, as we move forward, though, especially this year, I really want to get our SMS, our text message base alert system um, up and going so that we can send um, news alerts and call to action and all kinds of information directly to people's phones and then they can interact with those text messages they've got a tip if they've got more information if they want to contribute you can literally be able to text and respond to that so we're exploring those channels 
Um, but then what I do is just use with our team. I just go out to places, see the person who talks a lot or speaks up in a public space and then say, hey, you want to like contribute somehow? You seem really passionate about this. Is there a way that would you be willing to share that story? Most people look at you and they're like, oh, well, yeah, actually, I've no, no one's ever asked me that. Most people just want to be asked, invited to be a part. And so if you do that, and that's, that's how I got my team together, really. It was just folks that were showing up, being passionate, said yes, and here we are. From there, we utilize our own networks to be like, hey, well, we're doing this thing. People see the content that we're producing. They seem to value it. So we invite them to come be in a, in a physical space with us to talk about how our content is affecting them and then what they're interested in. As we're still building, you know, we're less than a year old, but we're still trying to find these, okay, what, what is, what are our strong suits? And I think our relationships are our strong suits and just using them and accessing them in the, um, as many channels as we have. You are listening to Lives. We'll be back after the break. Are my babies coming home tomorrow? Ain't that good news? Man, ain't that news? Babies coming home tomorrow. Ain't that news? Man, ain't that news? I got a letter just the other day Telling me that she was on her way And she wants me to meet her at the station Ain't that good news? Man, ain't that news? In the letter, she told me she still loved me Ain't that good news? Man, ain't that news? In the letter, she told me she loved me Ain't that news? Man, ain't that news? She said she's sorry that she left Found out she don't want nobody else I'm Stuart Chittenden, and this is Lives. My guest today is Dewan Lamont Hayes of Noise. What kind of reaction and response to noise have you observed thus far from people that are rooted in this community? perhaps people that are policymakers not from this community and, and maybe they're just the broader community, which is the metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been, it's the reaction from people is what really like makes the day. You, meeting folks and being like, you know, you, you know, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm the director of noise. We do I'm like, oh, noise. And I'm like, oh, you know what we do? Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> um, and it, folks have been really responsive. Um, they, appreciate like our especially our coverage of civic stuff that's happening so you know we'll go to public meetings and live stream it on our facebook and they're like i wasn't able to go today but i was able to watch your live stream at work i've been able to interact with you know councilman gray and and uh commissioner um uh, what's his name yes chris, chris rogers i'm like ah, i see him every day like um and and justin wayne and legislature and, and even or especially our new chambers um and they know what we're doing and they see it and that we've been able to share their information and vice versa. And so it's really been positive to see that like everyday folks on the street are getting familiar with what we're doing. 
they crave the information and want more of it um, and want to be a part of that process. And then you have public officials reaching out to us, letting us know about their bills that are coming through and asking our help to help spread the word. I think that that's been really powerful. And so now moving forward, we're actually looking, um, I'm just going to start, we're going to start like a, just a visual campaign around noise with like stickers and posters and the make noise postcards and just start putting them everywhere. <laughs> Cause I think something with the word, the term noise is about disruption and um, we want to disrupt the, the kind of passive flow that, or lack thereof in people's lives, as well as we're disrupting the conventional information ecosystem. And so if we can do that with our stories um, and also just like our visual presence, we can get a community together to do some really powerful things. This may not be an either or, it may be a, a yes and question. Is it more important that your local community audience here in this area of Northeast Omaha is attended to by noise and what it has to offer and or are you trying to reach the broader audience across Omaha with any of the content that you're producing? North Omaha Information Support Everyone is based on the idea that North Omaha is the context in which we are talking about this information. You know, the, the people of the community are the subjects as well as the storytellers. But their stories aren't just aren't only their own. They're actually quite universal in a lot of ways. And what's happening here is happening everywhere. But I think just here more so and maybe uh, more explicitly. And so our goal is if we were able to raise a new class of reporters from our own from our own community that is able to tell stories hyper-locally, like, you know, just down the street, but also be able to make those stories accessible to greater Omaha, I feel like that's an opportunity to really begin to unite our city that's been segregated for so long to show that, you know, we're doing things, we're aware, we're present, and what's happening to us is happening to you. We're no longer separate in policymaking and, and development and growth. Um, as it's been perceived for so long. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's a yes and here and there. You've used the word universality, mm. and I think maybe that's a segue into cities across the country and local communities across the country have seen the consolidation of news outlets and therefore probably the homogeneity of the kind of news structure where it's profits over the quality of journalism that, that comes first. So you're flipping that on its head. But I would imagine then that this is a universal experience across cities in the country. And so are you part of a network or are you reaching out to other communities to share best practices and, and ways that you can be effective and maybe also just accelerate the, the ramp up for this you know, initiative? Yeah, since starting noise the national response has been really positive um so i didn't realize that omaha nebraska would be looked at in this way especially with this work but uh, in 2018 i had the opportunity to go to the people power publishing conference in chicago and meet folks from all over the country doing community-based work and specifically an organization called city bureau who's based out of chicago who has very similar origins uh to noise where they're people concerned. 
they went to journalism school. They're like, what, what's happening? And then they got their team together and they started a, uh, what they call a community newsroom every Thursday and, um, started a documenters program, training people how to go to public meetings and document that so that you had everyday folks um, interpreting and, 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 and collecting the information from all these court hearings and things and consolidating it for the everyday person. And um, that's just one example. Folks in Detroit and Philadelphia and Baltimore and St. Louis, um, Kansas City, it's everywhere. There's this this wave of of people being like wait i just spent a lot of money on this degree what am i going to do with it one but also like this is important this is this is literally our livelihood the only the reason we have history is because there are people there to document it especially journalists and if we're not there who will be what will our histories reflect will they tell the true story so you know there's there's definitely a coalition being built and you know uh there's uh, a guy in Pittsburgh who started a organization with the same focus on on black journalists in the community working together to make sure that the community story is told, but also just creating more opportunities for, you know, if you just even look at television news broadcast, there still aren't that many people of color present. Even today, there's more than there used to be, but we need more. And so we have the tools to be our own storytellers, to be our own broadcasters, to do that. So, yeah, folks all across the country, we're on news. There's we're on Slack channels together. We're on email threads together. We're sharing updates on what we're doing. And then the group, the Listening Post Collective, Jesse Hardman and Burgess Brown, who came and did that original assessment in 2017, they've done other assessments in other cities, including Baltimore and New Orleans and uh and california and so since we were part of their journey around the country we're also part of their collective and so they they share information with us they provide um, guiding and assistance Uh, if we ever have any questions like we're we're struggling with this they can say hey well actually you can talk to so and so here who actually encountered that same problem and here's how they dealt with it as you're trying to build something kind of from scratch it really helps to have people in the same situation to lean on can you help us navigate people's perceptions on the difference between journalism, storytelling, opinion, mm. how one feels about the news and the actual facts of the news? Mm. And I'm asking because you've built this more 21st century hybrid model that is really locally rooted with all these attributes as part of it. So help us navigate what that looks like in terms of um, how you distinguish between those concepts. I often get asked about bias because people are like, well, how do you do this without being biased? And my thinking is we're biased towards the citizen, towards the person. You know, we want the person who reads this to feel like that this information is for them. (laughs) Because I think right now a lot of the current journalism is not really for people. It's just kind of there and you encounter it however you do, and we don't really care what the results are, the impact on, on your daily life. <laughs> um, and there's also, there's no real accountability to that. Whereas when you're local, you're accountable. Like, folk, I call your mama about it. Like, people have literally called my mom to talk about the story that they read and then and 
fortunately positive, but there's that, um, there's a real, you get feedback directly from people if they've been affected by what you do. Journalism, like every, like I was mentioning earlier, is evolving. And so when you, facts are coarse, we want to present the truth and how this is what happened. And with storytelling, the story is how these facts are affecting people. If we're talking about something that had happened at city council, we want folks to understand that like these have real world implications. So that storytelling element comes in where we're bringing in folks' perspectives, their experiences, um, and what they're motivated to do next. And I think it's important to make sure that they're right next to each other. And opinion, um, we have editorial and you know there's definitely always going to be like your personal perspective because it's how this how i think this affects people and we we tried to we delineate that i definitely think that as we move forward you know our goal is to of course tell make sure that we're telling you the truth because there are too many people and already not like who choose not to but we also want you to see that the truth has real life implications um and that there are ways to affect the truth and not just be affected by it. Are you able to provide any examples or illustrations of information gathering, sharing, or news pieces, or any stories that you've um, you've shared through noise that perhaps capture some of what you've been talking about? Yes. So, in June of last year, um, a young woman named Jasmine Harris was shot and killed downtown after the Taste of Omaha festival. And um, her family is actually really closely really, like, tied to my family. And one of, uh, one of our collaborators, was actually, that was actually his cousin. So the, it, these things that happened, happened like one degree of separation. And Jasmine's case, they still have not found who... Um, who the shooter was and um, have not been able to press charges. They've been investigating it for for a while. And um, I went to a mayor's town hall that she, she has seven of them every fall in, in each of the city council districts. And I went and was live streaming it on my iPad, just holding it and said, hey, if anyone has any questions, I will relay those questions to whomever you need them, me to. Um, just let us know. Um, then there was a comment from a woman named Lottie Mae Harris, who is the great aunt of Jasmine Harris, who lives in Nevada, actually. Um, but she was following noise. She's following our live stream. And she asked, you know, why has my great niece's case not be- remained unsolved? 
I have questions like what's happening, what's going on. And Chief Schmoder of the Omaha Police Department was there. And so I walked straight up to him with my iPad in hand and read her question verbatim to him. And then he responded back, said, we're working on it. This is a personal case of mine. I'm really concerned about this. And then that led me to continue having a dialogue with Ms. Harris. And we had an interview and I wrote a story about Jasmine because her concern was, I don't want her just to be forgotten. I don't want her just to be another statistic, another brown body lost. Whereas it, it, in the piece I write, I wrote about Jasmine um, in July of 2018, there, Molly Tibbetts went missing and in Iowa. That was national news. That was a three-month endeavor. There was one of the largest rewards ever, like $400,000 on the tip. There was FBI took it up as a personal case. There was just like this massive search. And her, the, the, her, the man who killed her was found and convicted. And there was just like this resolution and it was just this national wave. And you're just kind of like, okay, so almost the same age and the same points in their lives, but you know, a black girl was shot by gang. So it it was how it felt. And that's what Miss Harris expressed was like, that's just what I see is that you see these you see these brown bodies lost to violence and no one is up in arms like like you would see for a young white girl. You know, that was just a really powerful s- statements to hear from, you know, someone that is actually really close to me in a lot of ways um, and how real that is um, for many people, especially here in Omaha. And so that was just one instance where we were in the right place at the right time, creating, holding the space for people to ask questions and then inviting them to tell their story and us using our platform to help share that story. Do you find yourself sometimes caught between two conflicting desires and aspirations with noise? So with that example you just gave, you're trying to avoid this idea of another brown body just being forgotten and that story just drifting away. But then you don't necessarily want that to be the only story that gets focused on and amplified because then that just perpetuates a stereotype that black communities know only violence. Yes, certainly. Like, um, that's, yeah, I want to, it, it's a really delicate balance because you want to, you know, stir discussion about like, why do we, why is does it seem that violence is permitted when none of us, I don't think anyone is like, yes, I want this. This is something I genuinely enjoy. Not at all. But if we aren't coming together to deliberately do something about it, then it seems like we're okay with that. On the same side, though, we're also doing really amazing things. We're building businesses. We're creating community. We're concerned about our health. We're coming together to educate our children. Like there's a real, um, like, we're in the midst of a, a renaissance. I, I truly believe um, that things are moving in a very positive direction. Um, but in order to truly embrace that direction, we have to reconcile with a lot of the things that we haven't discussed or um, been willing to talk about. And that's having those difficult conversations. And I think noise is just one way that we can begin to stimulate and hold space for those difficult conversations to take place. Once you're able to really reconcile with your action or inaction and understand how 
your own personal responsibility can be in affecting that change um, in addition to all the positive things that you're already bringing into the world, then then the future is much, that much, much, much brighter for all of us. But we have to come together first and be able to trust each other. Yeah, so we're definitely in this place of we have to r- reflect on our past and understand the impacts, but we can't let that past hold our future hostage. You're approaching your first birthday. <laughs> what does the future hold for noise? We want to um, just engage more people and becoming citizen journalists. If not a journalist, just someone who's aware of of what's happening and then feels like they can be a part of that. You know, this noise isn't me. And for a long time, it kind of was like, you know, getting the ground together. But that's not the point. It's it's about us, it's about all of us. It wouldn't be information supporting everyone if it, if it was centered on one person or one idea. And so our goal is just to be to try, continue to be more present as many places as possible to have people catch wind of what we're doing and invite them to be a part. Um, because this is um, this is an energy that we need in order to truly see um, the changes we we know we want. Live's radio show is supported by Humanities Nebraska, inspiring and enriching personal and public life by delivering opportunities to engage thoughtfully with history and culture. Learn more at humanitiesnebraska.org. To listen to this show again and to hear past shows, download the podcast at iTunes, search for Live's radio show with Stuart Chittenden. And leave a review while you're there to let me know what you think of the show. Where are you gonna run? Where are you gonna hide? I've been in conversation with Dewan Lamont Hayes. Dewan, thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. And some folks came. Noise is North Omaha information support everyone. Yes. Because when you say let's make noise, you can say let's make North Omaha information support everyone. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's the end of this week's show. The magnificent Marion Fay helped produce the show. Lives is an executive production of Squish Talks. I'm your host, Stuart Chittenden. Join me next week for more community, conversation, and the people that bring community to life.